Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, Trouble on Rocky Top Edition. I brought in David Oven. I go on his show, Football and Grits, our SEC podcast, once a week. He is nice enough to come on when we need to talk Tennessee here or when we need just really a rational, calm adult in the room. That's that's <laughs> when we bring in David. And I feel like, David, this is this is the time when an adult in the room is needed because Tennessee has fired Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Philip Fulmer is, and I'm using air quotes here, retiring uh, the most Shakespearean figure in college football. It ended the way it, it had to end. Mm-hmm. And now who knows what's going to happen? Although I was laughing about this, David. I was thinking about this. The last time an SEC school got rid of the coach and the AD at the same time, and then a member of the Manning family was heavily involved in the search. Do you know who got hired? Uh, I don't. I'm going to guess it's Phil Fulmer. It was Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. Uh, okay. I like it. <laughs> it was. I don't, I, I don't say this as a way to predict the future because uh, Tennessee's Chancellor Donnie Plyman made it very clear they're going to hire the AD first. That AD is going to hire the coach. That's not how that Ole Miss search went. Ole Miss, they got rid of Houston Nutt and Pete Boone at the same time. The search committee then hired Hugh Freeze. Then they later went and hired Ross Bjork to be the AD. So it's not. It's just I I, I found that very funny when I saw that Peyton Manning would be involved in the search. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, this is all signs pointing to Hugh. But really, when you look at what happened, I don't know how you can do that. They convened an investigation to find recruiting improprieties so they could fire Jeremy Pruitt for free. Am I oversimplifying things? No. I mean, I think everyone that I've talked to in the last month felt like that was the case. Um, And so when you see this sort of fire-breathing statement out of Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer sort of alleging that, I can't say I was surprised and that it seemed like this was something that Tennessee did to to get out of paying him $12 million-plus. But, yeah, I mean, I think to get out of the – touch on Hugh Freeze briefly before we move on, because I think it's a brief conversation. In some places, I could I could see it. You know, we've talked about this in the last month. It would have been audacious for Tennessee to fire Jeremy Pruitt for this, but not the most audacious thing I've ever seen. But for Tennessee to fire Jeremy Pruitt for these recruiting improprieties and then to go so hard on the integrity, doing things the right way, all of these things, I, you know, in front of a microphone with leadership, I, I thought... Hugh Freeze was probably a long shot, um, although he's one of the two people that I think are most likely to accept the job. But I, it feels like a near impossibility at this point when the leadership is going so hard on that route and not talking about well, the failures on the field. It was almost, it was, I think, just exclusively, this is why we're firing him, even though I think most people believe that if Tennessee was not three and seven this year, if they had contended for the SEC East, um, 
you know, this is probably a different situation. It's not that the investigation goes differently. It's that I think that they are a lot less aggressive um, about investigating. It's the investigation reasons. doesn't happen at all. Yeah. That's- <laughs> I, 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 I'm convinced. And I've always wondered, as these buyouts got bigger and bigger, who's going to be the first school that does this, that, that actually has an NCAA investigation to shank their coach so they don't have to pay him a buyout? Because there, there have been schools and – you've heard whispers from agents and, and, and from other coaches. Like I, I know of an assistant coach at a place and a couple other people have confirmed this there a few years ago where the coach had a big buyout and they brought in some assistants and tried to get dirt on the head coach essentially so they could fire him. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't NCAA type dirt. It was other type dirt and the, the, nobody told them anything and they didn't end up doing it. The, the coach actually kept his job, but it's, this is one where it really felt like they said, what are we going to do? We gave this guy this extension. He didn't deserve it. Now we've got to pay him. We don't want him anymore. I don't know that they've thought through the long-term consequences of this thing. Well, I think, um, yeah, that's definitely, I'd say that's a simplistic, that's that's accurate. But I think, I, I don't think that they thought they were going to find as much as they did. And you hear Dondi Plowman talking on Monday saying she's, you know, sort of taken aback by how many people knew, how many violations there were. You know, is there a level of naivete in there considering how SEC football works? I'd say probably. I, I, I think you have to say that stuff because you're saying it publicly. Yeah. I think they know that. I think they and, – and they should have known when they got into it, hey, if you're going to try to do this, you're probably going to find some stuff that is going to – Get you punished yeah. fairly severely. Yeah. It, you, are you sure you want to admit to that, or would you rather just pay the man? And they decided they'd rather admit to it than pay the man. And I don't know. I, I'll be curious because I think this entire situation makes me wonder, A, because and, and I, I do it in this order because this is the way Donnie Plowman said it. A, which AD is going to want this job? And B, which coach is going to want this job? Because yeah. if you're the AD... ADs aren't stupid. They they pay attention. Three years ago, you had the guy who hired... Okay, so John Curry hires Greg Schiano at the behest of some very powerful people in the Tennessee donor group. Then there's a backlash. The fans revolt, and they unhire Greg Schiano. And then you have this crazy coaching search, which ends up with John Curry being pulled off the road, suspended so he can be fired, and Philip Fulmer comes in, and oh, by the way, not all that different from how Philip Fulmer got the head coaching job. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mike when Leach he was is out the, here. <laughs> Left to dry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I may I may have to take back what I said that my, that Leach would have been the best hire of, of the people they talked to. <laughs> I, I now that I've totally seen Mike Leach in the SEC the for a year. Like I said, so. I've, every time Mike Leach in Tennessee comes up. You know, I have always said the same thing. It would have been a super fun three or four years. <laughs> that's that's basically where I've been at with, with Mike Leach, and uh, it would have been interesting. I don't know that they would have gotten what they wanted. We'll be right back after these words. There's so much palace drama at all times with Tennessee. Yeah. And I think that's that's the part where if you're an AD, you go, do I really want to deal with this? Do I want to Do I want to put up with everything I'm going to have to put up with, with all these different people. And look, Plowman's the chancellor now, but they have gone through 
quite a few chancellors, quite a few system presidents. I literally can't and, even name them all. Part of it is not being here, but like I was, I was every time I have to write about that stuff, I have to do an inordinate amount of research. There's so many people, oh. like it is wild. <laughs> So when I covered Tennessee as a beat writer 20 years ago, they had a president named J. Wade Gilley. In Tennessee he got years, himself in Tennessee fired. years, that's like two centuries, but yes. <laughs> I know. It's like 10 presidents ago. But he got himself fired because uh, he had a mistress that he put on staff. That's called the Petrino, like he, I believe. <laughs> he, gave, he, gave, he gave her a faculty job. It was it was impressive. Yeah. Like, it, it was it, the audaciousness of it, uh, the audacity of it, I guess, was was incredible and it was like oh you caught me oh i guess i'm out and but it it's just par for the course at tennessee it's just every and every so often somebody you will rise to power and then they'll not do something that one of these major constituents wants done and they're gone and it's it's crazy to me that i mean philip fulmer probably knows this better than anybody because he'd been on multiple sides of it he had been the one who engineered it when he became the football coach he had been the victim of it when he was fired as the football coach he then engineers another one to become the ad and now he's the victim of another one he's the most shakespearean figure in college football <laughs> yeah it is, it is amazing i think you know i'm writing about this for the athletic um later this week you can if you aren't subscribed you can do that but i i think one thing that tennessee is going to have to do with his ad search and I don't think it's necessarily true for the coaching search, but I think for the AD, you may have to find someone that really loves Tennessee, that doesn't see Tennessee as just another job. That's a major draw. And I think they that's... They just had somebody like well, that. Well, but I'm saying you're in a rough situation. I'm not saying that you have to have that to succeed, but I think that you know, when you're in this situation where you're taking over all these situations and you're taking over, you know, like you said, so much palace drama, you're going to have to have somebody that says, no, 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 no. I want to fix this. I care about this place. I want to fix this. And, you know, Philip Fulmer can say that or try to do that, but he doesn't have experience running in a in an athletic department. He was a football coach. And, you know, the, you hear a lot of time about his time as Tennessee's athletic director. He, he was a football coach. And it is what it is. I think it it, you know, having that calming influence, having somebody in the chair that people liked, and and trusted that they loved Tennessee, even if they didn't have that experience at the time, you know, probably, I guess, uh, at least helped calm things down a little bit, some of that drama. But here you are three years later, and you've got more issues, a different set of issues. But I still think, again, it is a rough situation, and somebody that's not going to leave a solid situation to fix it unless they really care about fixing it and and want to make Tennessee uh, what you know, Tennessee You know what makes me care about a lot of things? I, I, money a long helps. contract worth a lot of money. <laughs> I, I I do think yeah. in both cases, the AD and the coach, they're going to have to tack years onto this contract. And somebody needs to get the Jeff Long clause in the in the AD contract. And I'm not saying hire Jeff Long because if you saw how he handled David Beatty's firing, you, you don't want him either. I've seen but that before. <laughs> put that Jeff Long clause in where it says. If there are major NCA sanctions, this contract automatically extends by a certain amount. Yeah. So that you got to do that. And with the football coach, I, I think you need to probably look at the the situation Baylor had when they hired Matt Rule, where you had to give a long contract, or no one was even going to sniff you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're you're talking whoever you hire, you're looking at probably a, a seven year deal, and accept the fact that you're going to have to do that because. 
you've just, you, you created so much churn over and over and over. And I keep harping on this when we talk about Tennessee, David. You and I, I know you're sick of me hearing me use the word churn, but <laughs> that's one of their biggest problems. Yeah. Is they just never been able to establish anything. And, you know, it, you can talk about it's hard to recruit against Georgia and Florida and Alabama and Auburn and, you know, Clemson and North Carolina now on the other side. It's, it's really hard to recruit against all those people. But it's also really hard to recruit when you don't have a consistent philosophy to recruit to because you keep changing coaches. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And I, you know, we we did that fan survey that's always interesting and i and i think it's a lot of fans that we heard from were wrestling with that tension of i know the stability or the instability is bad i know that churning new coaches every 3 or 4 years is not good but i also know that it's not working under Jeremy Pruitt the you know the key is to hire a, a coach that's going to uh, you know uh make things work but that's easier said than done and I don't know when you get stuck in that place where Tennessee was in 2020. I don't know what you do um, because it wasn't working. I think it, it there, the number of people who thought Jeremy Pruitt was going to be the guy to bring Tennessee back was a small number. Uh, you know, his players loved him. The talent level was improved, but they just weren't good enough on the field uh, at all. And so... Eh, they were just stuck in it. They're stuck in a difficult situation. You know, you have to sort of act prudently. You can't get into another Derek Dooley situation, which of all the hires that Tennessee has made, that was the only one that at the time really seemed like a bad idea. And it, it played out like a bad idea. And in retrospect, looks even worse. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, you're in a tough situation. There's not, there's not like a clear path forward. You just, you have to get no. a little lucky and you have to, hire a bunch of the right people and there's no guarantee for how to do that or how to make sure you're doing that no matter how hard you try and nobody knows that more than Tennessee right now I I have a hard time even coming up with a list of potential football coaches because I have a harder time coming up with a potential list of ADs and if they are going to hire the AD first I kind of want to know who the AD is to get an idea of who they might hire as a football coach but they do have something in place and they made a move last week, and, and we all said it when it happened, and it certainly seems to be heading toward fruition. They brought on Kevin Steele as a defensive assistant. They didn't even specify a position. But it sure looked like, oh, it's a person who wasn't here for any of that, who, in fact, several influential people at his old school wanted him to be the head coach there. And if we need him to be the head coach for a year while we get this figured out, maybe we do that. I just think that's you can't do that. You can't do the the interim thing. Twenty twenty two. You know, not to get too insular into Tennessee specifically in terms of the getting in the weeds. It's a huge in state recruiting year. There are a lot of kids uh, within state lines that that Tennessee has got to get. I think that list starts with Ty Simpson, but you look at you know Walter Nolan, a couple of these other guys. Tennessee has to try and get those guys and keep them in state. And you so, can't. So this is like when they fired Dooley to hire Butch Jones. That was another. You had. Yeah, you but were you essentially can't, a year away from a big in-state year. Yeah, you can't go interim. It just I don't know how you recruit that. If you're a kid in such a crucial year and you say, "Come here," and he says, "Well, who's going to be my coach sophomore year?" and you don't have a good answer to that question. And in addition to that. Just the 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 ob you know, the idea of of assistants needing to recruit. I mean, if he fills out his staff, 
assistants, no. It's probably you're going to have a tough time bringing in a staff. You have some old guys that are still there uh, from the previous staff. But I mean, we saw this at Baylor with Jim Grobe. I think that's a good example. They yeah, just weren't. I mean, that, that was a disaster that year. They just weren't recruiting, and you know, I you just can't do that. You either have to say Steele is our guy moving forward, in which case. You know, I don't think you'd get to the level of another Shiano situation, but the fan base is not going to be happy with Kevin Steele. It's not a real exciting hire, even if it were. I, I kind of wish they could have Kevin Steele as the DC for whoever the new coach is. Well, but I, I think he given might. Given what that, happened that's, at Auburn, that's definitely possible. I wouldn't rule that out at well, all. If you if you're the new guy, though, you have to sit him down after what happened at Auburn and be like, "Listen, <laughs> can't have that." Yeah. So this is this is how this is gonna work. All right. So let's talk about. I I, I realize they're gonna hire the AD first, but I I got to be honest with you guys. I don't know how that works. Although they have had time, David. I mean, they've been yeah, working on this know. for a couple of months. So I imagine they have a candidate pool and they've already been vetting people. But let's figure out who who might take this job as a football coach. Because you can hire the AD here in the next few weeks and you'd end up hiring your football coach basically about the same time that Mel Tucker got hired at Michigan State last year. It's not the end of the world if you do it that way. I mean, with the early signing period... You, most of your class is in the boat anyway. You're not necessarily going to have to worry about having you know a bunch of people say, well, you lied to me. They're already saying that now. And you can decide if you want to release them or, or whatever. Yeah. But you've got transfers. It's not That's not the biggest issue. You can hire somebody first or second week of February and be fine. So, all right, David Oven, who would you go after? Who do you think would take this job? Well... The other person besides Hugh Freeze that I think will say yes if you put an offer in front of them is Jamie Chadwell. Now. Jamie Chadwell is Coastal Carolina's coach. Yes. He is from about 50 miles north of Knoxville. Mm -hmm. he, uh, the base of Jellicoe Mountain, basically, is where he grew up. Mm -hmm. uh, he would crawl across broken glass from Conway, South Carolina, to take this job. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. He's been at Coastal Carolina, Charleston Southern, North Greenville. Mm -hmm. Do any of these sound like places where you have to recruit SEC players? That's the concern. So I think and, and if that, it comes that, to the, it, I think that's where you go. If you if you end up in a 2017 situation, yeah. that's where you go. But I don't think he's the first guy on your list if I'm Tennessee. Now, <laughs> this is where it gets complicated because I can tell you my first call would probably be Gus Malzahn. <laughs> and the Kevin Steele factor <laughs> complicates that because it's going to cost you <laughs> I, I, I'm just imagining the... The ep the Simpsons episode at Mason Derriere where Grandpa walks in, sees Bart, <laughs> grabs his hat off the hat rack, and walks back. Yeah, out. exactly. <laughs> because, like, listen, okay, if there's one thing that all the Tennessee hires have had in common, the what five guys now since uh, uh, Phil Fulmer, I guess, or four since him, but this is your fifth search. None of them were previously a Power Five head coach, and to to ask someone. To, to jump jump into a fishbowl job like this, it's hard. It's really hard. M Malzahn is the most realistic candidate that has that experience. He's not the sexiest hire. He could hire. absolutely handle it. Yes. Yeah. He, he knows what this is like. Auburn, different than Tennessee, but same similar in a lot of ways. He's had I was a lot like, of different in about the same way. Yeah. That's the, yeah. The, 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 if, you can, if you can deal with Auburn, you can yeah. probably deal with Tennessee. And... Three wins against Nick Saban. Exactly. He's 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 he I mean, freeze the baggage. I think is the best way to put who he is, and so it makes a lot of sense. But with Kevin Steele, it really complicates that. Now, 
The flip side of that is if you just saved $12 million, maybe you're a little more apt to pony up the $800,000 to get rid of Kevin Steele, which he does have an offset deal. So if he goes and takes another job, you know, maybe you end up not paying anything, or maybe he says, hey, what the heck, and sits around for two years, um, you know, similar to what Butch Jones did, and collects your buyout well, Remember, checks. Auburn owes him $5 million over two years. Well, that's a big They're reason why... They're happy that Tennessee's yeah, taking a, a little chunk out of that. Exactly. That's a big reason why Tennessee got him at four fifty a year. Um, and, you know, they were very happy to get that deal done. That made sense for Jeremy Pruitt. That made sense for Phil Fulmer. That's why they signed off on it, even though, again, I, I think the situation was careening toward the outcome that we saw on, uh, on Monday. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. I like the idea of Bill O'Brien, personally. I think Bill O'Brien makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you start you know, looking at the situation he took over at Penn State, certainly worse than the situation that he inherited um, at Tennessee. You know, again, I think fans would uh, not feel great about that, considering how it ended at the Texans. But, you know, I, I think it's still an option for Tennessee fans that I would be intrigued by. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But the flip side with Bill O'Brien is what is the better option? Do I want to be the OC at Alabama, which has obviously served to be a major launching point to really good jobs? Or do I want to be the head coach at Tennessee where a bunch of people have consistently gotten fired after three, four, five years? That's, that's where he has to wrestle. The O'Brien thing is interesting, David, because he did walk into a just horrible situation at Penn State, and I thought he did a very good job there. Mm-hmm. Now, we can we can go back revisionist history and say, well, maybe Christian Hackenberg wasn't that good, but getting Christian Hackenberg to stay in that recruiting class was very important to kind of the future of Penn State and keeping that class together and keeping future recruits coming. And I think that ultimately helped James Franklin when he got there, and he did a good job digging them out of that situation. But... You know, I, I, if I'm Bill O'Brien, I, I think I'm with you. I think the Alabama OC job for even a year, especially if you're good, then you can go kind of wherever you want. Because Sark goes to Texas. One of the reasons Sark was such a hot commodity is NFL teams were sniffing around Sark, not just as an OC. Yeah. Like as a head coach, they were that impressed with what he was doing with Alabama. So I, I do think that's probably a better launching pad if that's, especially if that's the harsh reality the NFL. for Tennessee right now too is I, I agree with you if I'm Bill O'Brien and I'm looking at these two options and it seems like he's pretty far down the chute with Alabama you know even if it'd have to go but I'm I'm probably not leaving that spot to become Tennessee's head coach I could probably get a better job in a better spot in a year at least maybe two who knows you know working for Nick Saban doesn't seem like the greatest thing in the world but it, it pays off in the end as Lane Kiffin and Mike Loxley and now you know Steve Sarkeesian can all attest to well and, and this is one of those jobs you know with Scott Satterfield I I do think when he interviewed at South Carolina and he had that just disastrous press conference afterward, mm-hmm. uh, you look at he, there's probably a lot of regret on his part because he would have been much happier with the South Carolina job or with the the Tennessee job than than Louisville. But it, you you can't leave now, it, and I'm not sure Tennessee could hire him now, especially after the year they just had at Louisville. But he would have been an ideal candidate, say two years ago mm-hmm. for this job. Yeah, and. It's just, it, it's hard with that situation. You know, we talked about Chadwell, and what's interesting is he's been a head coach at these places. So he's got the CEO part of it. 
he just he never was an assistant at say an SEC or an ACC school where he had to recruit at this level, and that's the part you don't know about. And I think that's that's the issue. I love his offense. I think his offense. Me too. X's and O's is fantastic. SEC quality players. So his offense is a triple option based spread ops offense. It's actually kind of a kind of a de- descendant. Like it's it's great uncle is Tom Osborne's <laughs> mid nineties Nebraska offense. Yeah. Like because everybody thinks that that what Tommy Frazier ran was pure triple option, and. It wasn't. It was the triple option was their play action game. And they did a lot of throwing out of that. And it it was awesome. It was unstoppable when it was working. And so I do think what Jamie Chadwell does would work in the SEC with SEC players. And in fact, would be good for a place like Tennessee where a lot of the teams you play, cough, cough, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, have better players than you. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I felt like not to get back on this survey, but I thought all the fan in, input was interesting. And they basically said the reality with Tennessee is you either have to out recruit people or out scheme people. And Tennessee, you know, we talked about this, I remember, at the beginning of 2019 after the Georgia State game, I think, is that Tennessee yeah. is just trying to do the same things that Alabama and Georgia were doing like four or five years ago with worse players. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so Which you have never to work. So you have to figure out something. And at this point, especially when you look ahead at NCAA situations, uh, you're probably gonna have recruiting um, you know, limitations in terms of visits, travel, scholarships, all those things. You better get a schematic guy in here who can also recruit uh as well as you can, because you're gonna have to out scheme people because you're not gonna out recruit people. That was the idea that Jeremy Pruitt, when he was hired, well, he can get us into that upper echelon like Butch Jones did, but then he can develop them as well. Well, they were not quite, he didn't recruit quite as well as Butch Jones, amazingly. Development, you know, time will ultimately tell. Uh, It wasn't great. The guy, the 2019 class, you know, jumping back, uh, the way they recruited, or the way they developed the offensive line. Henry Tooto had a rough year. Eric Ray had a good year, but he did develop some of of Butch's players um, well. So, I think you got to go with a guy that can give you some sort of, you know, not to not to quote the great Charlie Weiss, but a decided schematic advantage in some way to, to <laughs> right. help. Get Charlie you Weiss there. also used. Charlie Weiss also had a recruiting pitch where he he would wave his hand at the at the <laughs> yeah. practice field and say, "See that pile of crap out there? Yeah. You can do better than that." I am That's so, what you I'm so Kansas, glad. So I, forgot, I don't know if I want that guy. <laughs> I had not thought about decided schematic advantage for so long, and I wow. I love it so much that. Nicknaming a coach decided schematic advantage for years on end. That uh, you never know it's, what quote is gonna hang, you know, for you for for years. I think for or or, think, or hang on you like an albatross. Yeah, I think the, yeah. I think for Jeremy Pruitt, it's probably gonna be either the closing the gap comment, the Titanic thing, maybe, but that was like not as public as like the closing the gap was right after a big game. The Titanic thing was like uh, it was a meeting with like the quarterback club that he does like annually. It wasn't quite as public, even though it did get a lot of run. But my guess is probably one of those two will probably be the the one. The, the it's not going to stick on him in the same way that like five star hearts and champions of life did with with Butch Jones. But oh, good lord, no! no. I mean, the but champions I think, of I think life the, will never leave Butch. The, it, it will be on his epitaph. Yeah, but I think when you when you look back at the Jeremy Pruitt tenure. You know, I think the mask will probably be up there, uh, along with Derek Dooley's pants the and stool. 
Yeah, the babushka. And then probably closing the gap or the Titanic quote would be would be on the short list of of the most memorable Jeremy Pruitt's uh moments at Tennessee. Oh, I I don't think this this is going to be remembered for much. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's interesting. This this tenure will be remembered more for the Greg Schiano hire and unhire and for the way they got rid of Jeremy Pruitt. I don't I don't think people will particularly remember much about Jeremy Pruitt's tenure. No. In fact, the most memorable game is probably losing to Georgia State. I don't I, there, I don't think there's a memorable win in the bunch. No, and I, I there isn't. I think the the Auburn game was the best, you know, win of his tenure in, in the first year. But that you know that it's not that that's not that great of a win. It's like it felt like a big moment at the time, but it's you know in retrospect it, it loses a lot of its impact. And we were talking about you know for our SEC writers roundtable, which you can read at the Athletic too. We we're talking about the things we're going to remember the most about this season. I'm not going to remember anything. I wrote about Sarah Fuller, like being there for that moment and watching her kick a couple extra points was really cool. And if you know in 20 years from now, I'm not going to remember anything about this season really, like. Well, in terms of Tennessee play on the field, I mean, it was a well, weird you year. You remember that the, the investigation story broke as their season finale was. Yeah, off. yeah, and just all the sort of COVID stuff, and you know, I'm not seeing practices and all the Zoom stuff. But like in terms of on the field, I'm just there's there was this is a really forgettable Tennessee team in a lot of different ways, and and uh, you know, I think in many ways that the Jeremy Pruitt tenure will probably be kind of similar. One other coach I wanted to bring up because Bruce Feldman mentioned this when he made a list of candidates and this is a person whose name I put on on all these lists when when the jobs open but I don't think he's gonna sniff this one I don't think he wants would want this one given some of the jobs he's turned down interest in uh Tony Elliott from Clemson the offensive coordinator I I think he's one that would fit really well here and would do a really good job I just don't think he'd take it and I think that's one of Tennessee's problems that's a problem, and also I just don't think Tennessee would be interested. I think the the high the high profile coordinator. You, I just don't think you can be a first time head coach at Tennessee. I think that's a bad idea. Uh, you know, I well, think Jeremy you, Pruitt was was good at 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 blocking out the noise, but at some point you have to also make a connection with your with your program and with your fans. And I don't think he ever did that. So there's a difference in sort no. of being too in tune with what everyone's saying and totally blocking it out. And I think if you've been a head coach for like you know Gus Malzahn, you're probably better suited to handle yep. some of that. So, and you got to sell a little bit, Tennessee. Now Gus yeah. is not a se- Gus isn't going to sell. Yeah, the, he's not going to do that. He's going to coach and he's going to recruit. And but I do think there's there's a bit of a sales aspect to Tennessee that because you've got to recruit nationally mm-hmm. and you at least have to recruit across state lines, and that requires a level of salesmanship that. I actually like the way Lane Kiffin did it when he was there. I know it, it bothered some people, but I thought what he was doing, if you, if you did that over a period of years, would have worked. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right about that. I just think at this point, like I said, the reality for Tennessee is it is not well positioned right now to try and bounce back. It needs to get a little bit lucky with this hire. And considering how unlucky it's been in the last decade, Maybe that time has come, but uh, I'm not exactly holding my breath. We'll see. Yeah, the other the other coach that everybody's going to bring up, and and he actually fits perfectly in the the dream coach that you described is not a first time head coach can out recruit and out scheme. You know, can find the diamonds in the rough and then out scheme is Matt Campbell at Iowa State. 
he's not taking this job. No. He can get much better yes. jobs. He, he's, he's probably turned down much better jobs this year. Yeah. So <laughs> you just forget that one. And it's going to be a really interesting next few weeks, David. I, I, you know, I remember being a beat writer covering coaching searches. I don't think I ever covered simultaneous AD and coaching search. So uh, <laughs> good luck with that one. Well, at least it won't technically be simultaneous uh, if you listen to the way they want to play things out. Um, but uh, you know, back to back is is not as is not good. So uh, it's going to be an interesting month here on Rocky Top. David Ubbin, thank you so much. You can hear more with David and with myself on Football and Grits, our SEC podcast. Uh, David hosts that one, so it's much more interesting because you know got a better host. So <laughs> click over to that if you want to hear more Tennessee talk. Because honestly. This is so interesting. I'm on vacation right now. I'm recording this podcast while my family is skiing because this stuff fascinates the hell out of me. Look at this trooper. I just, this as, trooper right as now. Soon as, <laughs> as soon as it happened, I texted David. And I was like, we got to do a podcast about this. <laughs> I'm dropping my family off skiing. We'll do it tomorrow. And, and so here we are. But David, thank you so much. And uh, I will talk to you uh, on Football and Drinks later in the week. Sounds good. 